BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. And guess what, folks? We're both here. We're both back. We are no longer on vacation. It's been too long. Matt, I've missed your glorious beard. I've missed actually having connection where I can see your face. I know. I know. I missed you, man. How you doing? I know. I know. You know, they say the absence makes the heart grow fonder. And that's not always true. But in this case, it is. I've missed our witty banter. I miss your 80s musical references. I've missed the mustache and no mustache, mm. the hair, the I mean the whole Keep thing. Keep you on I your toes, know. baby. Yeah, you know, like I'm used to <laughs> I'm used to sharing you with Natalie and now she's just had you all to herself. And uh that's your girlfriend's name, right? Yes, correct. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to clarify <laughs> that for any listener. Like, who's Natalie? What's going on? Anyway, it's good to see you, my friend. Oh, thanks, man. It's good to be back. A lot to get into today. Obviously, we're going to talk some minicamp. We're going to talk some Orlando Brown Jr. going to talk some Chiefs. going to talk Juan Thornhill, some of his comments that were made. We're going to talk the return, not of the Mac, but of Jarek McKinnon. And then we have Tim Lester interview with Matt Connor, Sky Moore's former coach. Get really diving deep into that. So you're going to get some insight on Sky Moore. Before we get into all of this, obviously, guys, you know what's happening. We are sponsored by the best beer company in the world, Casey Beer Co. Can uh, we clink? Can we clink on the air? Is, is that. Can we? Oh. How do we. Can we there's no toast. That was the noise. That was my tongue. Uh, if you. <laughs> If you want to have some of the best beer in Kansas City, the best beer in Kansas City, you will drink KC Beer. They have a lot of new beers that are coming out right now. Look for the Red KC Beer Co. cartons in your local store. When you do that and when you tag us on Twitter, you are supporting the Arrowhead Egg Podcast. We appreciate that so much when you guys do that. Again, four ingredients, malt, hops, water, yeast, It is literally just some of the most delicious beer you will ever have. So again, thank you to Casey Bierko. Thank you to you guys. Now, without further ado, let's get into some Chiefs. (laughs) Without further ado, 
Uh, all right. Well, today is the start of Chiefs mandatory minicamp. There are 90 players on the roster right now, Sterling. How many of those do you think you could name off the top of your head? Mm. Oh, I'd, I'd assume over 60. I feel like I could get I could get probably about 60 to 65 once we start getting past there, Hazelwood was there, right? A dude named Parker who was not on the uh, on the roster showed up today. So I got yeah. two guys who are not on the roster today. So I'm, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Players. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty good. Pretty good, I feel like. I, I feel like I could hit 70. When you start getting into like Omar Bayless, that's pretty mm. much the point where I'm like, uh, are we name generating <laughs> here? Like, like, what's going on? We just making up names because I can do that too. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, if you, if you follow the offseason schedule, you know that as Chiefs fans, that the Chiefs have had three, we- three phases of offseason training activities, and that's all been voluntary. You can come if you want. Don't come if you want. Uh, a good buddy of mine is, uh, is head of like a state farm. He runs his own state farm agency. So he said, hey, you won't be seeing Patrick Mahomes this week because he's supposed to – they had like a big powwow in Vegas – and he's like, Patrick Mahomes is going to be there. And I'm like, I guess so. And then that week, Patrick wasn't at uh, OTAs or whatever. You know, so some guys have commercial opportunities. Some guys have uh, personal preferences of where they work out. But this week is the first and only time before training camp where Andy Reid and company get to say, get your ass here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you got <laughs> you got a report. You got to check in. We got to see how healthy you are. We got to see how you're looking. Just curious from you, like like minicamp started today. We're going to hear a lot more in the days to come for the rest of the week. Is there a player who has been injured or maybe just who needs to show something that you are more excited to see than others as they are back in Arrowhead showing what they can do with everyone on the roster? Mm. Uh, Juan Thornhill is obviously a name that we'll get on a little later, but I think that's obviously someone that you have to be looking at and pointing to. Uh, I'd say Willie Gay Jr., right? Just Honestly, staying healthy, that's obviously going to be a huge part of, of what he can do. And then the the wide receivers as a whole. I'm really excited to see Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS. Uh, if Michael Hardman can improve the route running or, f- you know, if we saw what was the last eight games of last season, making sure that was not a fluke. Sky Moore, uh, what is Justin Ross got, who was not there today, if I'm not mistaken. Justin Ross, I believe, was not present at, uh, at minicamp. But those guys, I mean, just the wide receivers, that has to be one of the most intriguing groups just to take a look at. Yeah, I'm, I uh, I was looking over, like, the list of players who weren't there today. Frank Clark's birthday is today, so he got an excused. Quickly, though, I, I want to point something, with, uh, something up about Frank Clark. I was talking to Todd Lebo over there at Sports Radio 810. He was on the show today, and – when asked the PR, you know, is Frank Clark excused for his birthday? Apparently the PR person did not know it was Frank Clark's birthday. So take that as you will. I okay. don't know what that means. I don't know if there was some sarcasm going on in that back and forth. Maybe PR knew all along and they're trying to play it off as if, oh, that's why Frank Clark's gone. But that was my, uh, what I heard was, Maybe PR didn't know, and maybe Frank Clark did not miss because of his birthday. Okay. So. Well, I mean, that ambiguous. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you, you know, you'd, it would be irresponsible to read into that mm. too much. Maybe it's easier just to connect the simple dots and, and leave it as as it is. Uh, I will say it's a little disconcerting to see. I mean, Justin Ross 
missing the first day of mandatory minicamp. There was no explanation there. Again, it feels irresponsible to just fill in the blank with random statements. However, here is a guy with an extensive injury history. Here is a guy, clearly, I mean, anyone who's an undrafted free agent faces the same uphill climb. And also, here's a guy who generates more buzz than maybe every other undrafted. If you combine the buzz of every undrafted free agent on every other franchise in the NFL, would it equal the buzz of Justin Ross at this point? No. I, I don't I don't think it would. <laughs> I had a tweet today, actually, about Justin Ross, just to show you how optimistic and enthused Chiefs Kingdom is about Justin Ross. The poll got 227 votes on it. Uh, I posted this eight hours ago. Does Justin Ross make the Chiefs roster? And 83% said yes. 83% said an undrafted rookie with that injury history. 83% said yes, Justin Ross makes the roster. Wow. I mean, I... You know, I don't want to dismiss anyone's optimism. I don't. I don't even want to like you know quench that at all. Like I'm. I'm. I'm glad that people feel that way. But uh, certainly, being at minicamp and showing what he can do and and continuing to earn the reps and experience and whatever's going to be vital. Are you Are you reading anything into that absence in particular? No, I, I don't want to even go that route. I, I know folks have been saying. Uh, no one necessarily in the media, more or less just some fans. When I posted this, some people were saying, well, maybe they stash him on the IR all year, right? Maybe it's a, you see a hamstring or, you know, a quote unquote injury. You know, in baseball, when a pitcher's pitching bad and they go, yeah, he's on the IL. Well, they know if he goes to the practice squad, he might get swooped up by another roster, another team. So what do they do? ghost injury and see if they could stash him until they need him. I don't know if that's the case. I have zero idea. I'm telling you right now, do not read into that. (laughs) But when I'm seeing people tweet that at me and then all of a sudden Justin Ross is gone, I'm sitting here going, come on. Now, am I a conspiracy theorist or what? Well, yeah, I'm with you. Also missing today is Blake Bell, which I'd like to read into that one. I think there's maybe Blake Bell is part of some secret conspiracy I don't know. I don't know what to read there either, other than Blake Bell's not there. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr., not there. When We'll talk about him in just a second, but that's obvious. Maybe without a contract, he's doing a little bit of, uh, hey, you're going to see me when you sign me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Frank Clark, excused. Uh, and then Rashad Fenton uh, has been dealing with uh, the lingering shoulder injury, keeping him out. Hopefully we see him back by training camp, um, healthy and ready to go. I could care less if Rashad Fenton is at a mandatory mini camp in the middle of June, it makes mm-hmm. no difference. He's experienced. He's going to be like, sure. we just need him healthy. Right. Yeah. I would say one thing really quickly was Tim Grunhard today on sports radio, eight ten. you know, brought up a really good point. He said this mini camp mandatory mini camp is a huge deal. And while it might not seem like a big deal for a lot of fans, it's really big for the youngsters. Sure, you're not actually putting the game plan in place. You're not implemented, implementing what's going to happen week one, right? But this is the real first experience. You're meeting all these players. You're meeting your new position coaches. It's a lot bigger deal for these young guys or, say, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, your first time on this team, on this roster. This is a good chance to really first day of school type vibes, right? Yeah. It's the first day of school. If you have a good mini camp, if you can pick up some of the bigger picture ideas 
it makes it easier once you get to the littler ideas because no one he goes he goes no one knows every single thing in the playbook there's so many things so many different scenarios you just have to know what the big picture is and this is what happens from mini camp so while we might not think it's a big deal from a former player he basically said this is a bigger deal than sometimes we might think Mm, man that's good that's good perspective and it makes it frustrating you know like if Blake Bell misses, fine. If, um, you know, Frank Clark, fine. Like, those guys know exactly what to do when when the time demands, and that's what that is. But, um, you know, another name that was missing today was Malik Herring, right? Mm. Like, the second-year defensive end. Last year, he was an undrafted free agent out of Georgia, however. Remember, he was getting playing time on that Georgia defensive line that produced so much NFL talent this year. Um, and he came into the league with some with injuries that that really just kind of kept him. I mean, he was stashed away on IR all season long. So some people have spoken pretty positively about maybe hoping he's going to provide more. But if he's not in minicamp, that's also maybe another one of those young guys. You're like, man, it really sucks. You're not able to join in, you know, with like what Tim Grunhardt says is an important weekend like this, especially at that position. Mm-hmm. If Frank's not there and Malik's not there, I mean, you're like. Like, what are you running at edge, you know, in a, in a week like this if those guys aren't around? Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these guys who are missing, what the reason is for missing. I would assume someone like Malik Herring, for example, would have to have a pretty damn good reason. Uh, I, Especially a guy like him who you would think would have an opportunity to get some PT, you know, he's probably not getting playing time on a lot of other teams. Chiefs have one of the weakest edge groups in the NFL, right? So you're probably thinking this is Malik Herring's chance to be on a very, very good team on a weak position group. You would have to assume there's probably something going on under the scenes that we are not privy to. And we might not be. Andy Reid likes to keep things close to his chest. We know this. So for all we know, it could be anything and we'll never find out. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I do want to talk about Orlando Brown Jr., though, and I'm very, very frustrated with him. I don't necessarily disagree with what he said, right? He basically said, this is not a good year for the Chiefs to not pay their left tackle with all of the implementations, all the additions in the AFC West, all those impressive edge players. Not a good year to not pay your left tackle. I don't disagree with that sentiment. I disagree with the way he's going about this. Orlando Brown Jr. is acting like he is a elite top three left tackle in the NFL. To me, 8 to 12, probably where he slots in. Sure. I know he's younger. I know a lot of folks like to tout the potential, right? He's young, relatively young. Sure, the technique will get more improved. The ability to see other scenarios coming at him, that's going to improve. 
But if you don't have great footwork, which he does not, your ceiling is limited. He's not going to be Trent Williams. You know why? No one is Trent Williams. So I I don't understand this. Well, you have to pay him because you sent all those draft picks to the Ravens. No, you don't. It's a sunk cost. I know I say it a lot on this show, but it's because it's true. If you want to take it that method, you know why? Don't double down on a poor decision. I'm not saying trading for Orlando Brown Jr. was a poor decision. I'm saying if he wants and requests an obscene amount of money, you don't have to give it to him based on what was given up to acquire him. Frank Clark, right? You don't have to give him that contract just because you sent those draft picks to Seattle. It happened, but they got burnt twice basically by that. You don't have to get burnt twice by one deal. And that's what happens if you double down on a bad contract. How, how much of what you're saying is reactionary to the example you just brought up, right? Like oh, how much to, of to not wanting Clark, to pay, Yeah. How much of not wanting to pay Orlando is based on your, your response as a fan to going, you know what? I'm watching Frank Clark. We got burned by that. I'm watching. I mean, even like Anthony Hitchens was overpaid. Mark, uh, but see, I, I don't have a massive issue with Anthony Hitchens. I, I, Anthony Hitchens was fine, and he was slightly overpaid. Slightly, right? He was but, majorly overpaid at first. I okay. mean, he was like, I, I guess in general, I'm just asking. Do you feel like the Chiefs have been burned by the big deals lately, and you're tired of seeing mm-hmm. you're tired of seeing those seeing them pony up for players that aren't like automatic locks for deserving those spots. Tyron Matthew had a pretty large contract and I don't think he was overpaid. Okay. So I don't think he was burnt there. You were burned by Eric Fisher. You're burned by Justin Houston. So far you've not been burned by the largest contract, which is Patrick Mahomes. I also think it'd be interesting if you don't overpay to keep Tyreek Hill, who was easily a top three wide receiver, and then you turn around and overpay Orlando Brown Jr., who was clearly not a top three left tackle. That, to me, wouldn't make a ton of sense. I know he's younger. I know you want to protect Patrick Mahomes, correct? I understand this. I know you're probably sitting here thinking, well, what are the other options? That's Orlando Brown's point. Not a lot of good options. I'm not sitting here telling you don't don't pay Orlando Brown Jr. anything. I'm not sitting here telling you the Chiefs have to move on from him. That's not the case. I would love Brown to be here next season for Kansas City. I just think that it has to come at a, a certain cost, right? Just because he's demanding all this money doesn't mean that another team is going to give it to him. What's his, you know, market? What's the, if he was on the free agent market right now, what would he get? I don't think any team's paying him 25 plus million dollars a year. I do. I, I, oh, I think he, who? I do. Who, who was given Orlando Brown Jr. 25 plus million dollars a year as a good, but not elite, as a guy who will get better, but does not have high end potential? Who was given that guy that much money? Well, I think we disagree on a number of things there because you jumped from good to elite, and I think there's like a, a middle category there too. You know, to me, look, he's a top, he's a top ten. You admitted even top eight. Potential I said eight tackle. to twelve. I said eight right. to twelve. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But look, the guy just turned twenty six, right? Even if you give him a four or five year deal, he's in his twenties all the way through it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's made the Pro Bowl three straight seasons. I get you, I get you want to discount that, but you can't love the Pro Bowl on one hand with one player. I don't love the Pro Bowl. Hate it with I don't. Bowl. Mitchell Schwartz never made a single Pro Bowl. He was all pro right tackle, it. right? I I get it, but his agent is going to be able to say that, and that's going to make someone pay. Sure, you can love it or hate it, but I'm just saying a guy who makes three Pro Bowl tackles before, like by the age of 25, is going to get paid. There's there's just no way around that. So I, I like I like Orlando Brown. I think. The ceiling is there for him to get better. Last year was his first year within the offense. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. 
right tackle is already a who's going to go there? First year Darian Kennard, second year maybe injury prone Lucas Niang. You got Andrew Wiley who has a defined ceiling. Sure. Like like you really want to create questions at the other side when on both bookends. Whenever you got whenever your whole franchise comes down to protecting Patrick Mahomes, you really want to create another question mark because you don't want to go a few more million at left tackle. I like I just couldn't disagree more about this, and I think Orlando Brown Jr. is right in going. You got no choice. The AFC West completely reloaded. I'm 26. I've made three straight Pro Bowls. I'm breaking the fucking bank with someone. It better be you because otherwise you got two big question marks out there protecting PM15. Good luck with that. If you, if you want to trade me away and then try from number 30 in the draft to get your next great mm-hmm. franchise left tackle, feel free, my friend. Feel free. I think sure. that's what Orlando's saying. I, I'm also saying what's the drop-off from Orlando Brown Jr. to the next guy? And right now, is that is that guy going to be Joe Tooney? I'm not saying that's what I would do. Again, my number one case is try to re-sign Orlando Brown Jr. to a four or five-year deal. Maybe it comes down to a lot of guaranteed money with a lower AAV. I'm cool with that. You know, I'm not saying don't pay Orlando Brown Jr., but I'm saying don't let him just demand the world. Don't let him get Trent Williams money because he thinks that he has you over a barrel. Sure, he is in the driver's seat. He has the better case scenario. But if you're going to overpay a guy, sure, it might work this year. But think about years two, three, four, five. Don't don't handicap yourself. Don't handcuff yourself. Handcuff yourself for one season. That's all I'm saying. I I, I just feel like there has, and I, I don't envy Brett Veach by by any stretch of the imagination because this, this is a very nuanced, difficult conversation to have. Right? I'm not yeah. saying he's worth 15 million. I'm saying I don't think he's worth 25 million. There's, there's a number in there that he is worth, and one of those Pro Bowls came at right tackle, right? I also think I also think some of those Pro Bowls to me, I think all pros are what really matters. I think Pro Bowls are a popularity contest. Sure, sure. David Beckettieri was hurt like all last season, right? Yeah. There's one guy. People know the name Orlando Brown Jr. because he was just in a blockbuster trade. Also, his dad. It's a popularity contest. I think that had I think that had a lot to do with it. I'm not taking anything away from him. I think or again, I don't want to be an an Orlando Brown Jr. hater. That's not what I'm trying to be. I'm just saying have some restraint, okay? Have ha, have some there was someone on Twitter who said he was better than Trent Williams last year. Yeah, that's, that's asinine. Not true. That's, that's asinine. not true and, yeah. and the conversation doesn't need to go there. But here's the thing. And 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 Sterling, I I don't think there's any NFL GM who can exhibit restraint at every single position. The, the the reality of the NFL financially is a guy who's 25-26 with three Pro Bowls already on his resume is going to reset the market at whatever position he plays. That's that that's going to be true for any player at any position from from quarterback to punter, right? And so Veach already said, I ain't do, I ain't paying through the nose at wide out. I'm not doing it. And he punted it wide out and sent Tyreek to South Florida. And then now it's like, you know, now Tyreek thinks it needed to be said when nothing <laughs> needed to be said at all. Right. But so, so here's the thing. Veach already said, I'm not doing it a wide out, but Veach can't do that at every position just because philosophically he goes, you're not technically worth that much money. No, hmm. you got to decide if you've, if you've got a young talent like that and you want to lock him up, you have to reset the market at that position. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And Orlando is that guy. It is that time. And if there's a excuse to overpay, protecting Patrick Mahomes is a great excuse. 
So mm. I don't disagree with you. Like Orlando Brown Jr. does not deserve to reset the tackle market. I could agree with that statement. But given the other decisions that have been made, given the other options that aren't there, I totally get why Orlando's like, yeah, do it. Do it. Try to like talk yourself out of not overpaying me. Do it. I dare you because you can't. You can't mm. and you won't. Yeah. And that's and that's why I think the Chiefs will come through there. So yeah. I get what you're saying. There is nuance to the conversation. It's not so cut and dry, but I think there are realities that dictate things for Veach that maybe are hard to understand or hard to stomach, right? Do, do you appreciate the way Orlando Brown Jr. is going about this? Because on one hand, you could say you appreciate the honesty of the player, right? How often do we just get, you know, we'll get something done. It'll, it'll get signed when it gets signed. or And you don't hear anything about it. Orlando Brown Jr. is stating what he thinks. He's stating this is yeah. a bad time for the Chiefs to not pay a left tackle. Yeah. Do you appreciate the honesty, or do you sometimes wish maybe pull back just a little bit? Where do you stand there? Sure, sure. I mean, no, 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 I agree. I agree with you. And, you know, I think, one, I mean, show up for minicamp. Mm-hmm. Get there. Yeah. Get there, be there, they'll pay you, whatever. At the same time, I think maybe what I don't understand, because I'm not living in his shoes, he wanted a long-term deal over a year ago from Baltimore. Someone pay me. Someone pay me a left tackle. Play me and pay me at left tackle. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. And he said that loud and clear. And Brett Veach said, I want that. Brett Veach said, I want that scenario. I want the guy who's loud and proud about wanting to play and be paid at that spot. Right? Mm -hmm. So Veach can't go, oh, what is all this drama about getting paid? Veach knew exactly what he was getting. He paid a first-round pick for for this very scenario. And Orlando Brown's got to be going, it's 2022. I've been saying I want to be paid like a left tackle high end since like since I was a kid, since 2004. Since my dad played and got hit in the eye by some random object. Um, you know, like I like. Okay, but be- I could scream I want a million dollars doesn't mean I'm going to get it. Right. I know, but it, no one does, traded you can yell all you want. But no one traded a first round pick for you either. And someone did in the scenario. You didn't? And I did not. I Natalie just said you can have them for free. So, and and yeah. So in other words, I think I think maybe Orlando's looking at Brett, going, you know, I want this. You just been saying the right things. You did this with Tyron Matthew for over a year, dragged your feet, and then let him go and sign Justin Reed off off the top of the bat. You're you're not doing this here. I'm not showing up. Give me my pay. I mean, I get that maybe there's a little bit of of give me what I want. Uh, as much as I I agree, get there. Play play nice, you'll get your deal. But anyway, maybe maybe not. Yeah, I, I just think either way you look at it, you can make a case for or against the yeah gonna be a large contract for Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, you have some thoughts on Juan Thornhill. I want to hear them. Yeah, well, um, hey, before I do, I just want to give everyone a, a notice. Um, obviously, we talk about this from time to time at Arrowhead Addict. Uh, we actually have a membership that you can be involved with. Uh, and I just want to give people a chance to respond to that in the description of wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast. And by the way, we're just so thrilled with anyone ever watching or listening to Sterling, myself. That's also true for our Thursday night crew uh, with Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. But um, if you would like to sign up for Arrowhead Addict membership, you can find the info in the description of wherever you're taking in this podcast and however, but it 
it, there's all kinds of great stuff happening. We're looking at some giveaways. We hang out, um, have happy hour. We have a special Discord server, uh, which is like a chat with uh, all of us involved and others where we talk about all things Chiefs, but all like all kinds of, of, of other things. Sterling's in there talking about books and music and um, talking about movies. We talk about, uh, I can't wait to talk about how much I love Top Gun too, which I just saw. Anyway, uh, all that, if you want to subscribe, that would be great. And, uh, and the info is right there in the description. Yeah, you know, you're talking about, um, you, you brought up Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill said today, and he even said, he even told reporters, write this down. <laughs> uh, he said he's going to have an all-pro season. Now, I'm really curious about this from your perspective. Is Juan Thornhill capable of having an all-pro season for the Chiefs in 2022? I think he is capable. I think that injuries are going to be the the major aspect to watch. I do think it could be a little tough because I I think there's going to be a lot of rotations with Brian Cook, with Juan Thornhill, uh, and then with Justin Reed. So I think that could be something to watch as well. I really like Juan Thornhill. I like the confidence right there, but I got to see it first to an extent. He was such a good player as a rookie, and we've just not seen it. And obviously injuries have been the major concern. So that's kind of where I'm at. I love the sentiment. You love players saying that, but a lot of players say stuff like this, right? How often do we see at this time period, like write this down. I'm going to be an all pro speaking into existence or, you know, we see that stuff all the time. They're going to make a movie about this. How often do we <laughs> see stuff like that? So, you know, that's, that's where I'm at. I, I, I feel like I'm being really pessimistic. I'm not. I just want to be cautiously optimistic. If that makes sense. We're, we know by now for sure that you hate the chiefs. And that you think they have no chance this season? Um, yeah, Screw you, Connor! Come on! Yeah, I know. Come I know. on! I, you know, I will say this. I remember at the end of remember at the end of his rookie year, uh, or even toward the end, there was a sense that we already knew we were watching a Pro Bowler or All Pro in Tyron Matthew, and it almost felt unfair. Like the Chiefs had in one season imported like the best safety duo in the NFL, right? Like I remember watching Matthew. And then Thornhill in his rookie season, just thinking, what team has a better tandem than the Chiefs right now? Mm. It just really looked like the sky was the limit for Thornhill. And then that, you know, tragic injury, the ACL, you know, which then kind of led to, it wasn't a lost season, but I mean, there's just definitely been a before and after there. Maybe there's been enough time to physically and even mentally get over you know, the hurdles created by the injury. Maybe Thornhill's saying, look, man, I don't worry about how I plant my leg anymore. I don't worry about how I may go, like, who may hit me. I, like, I don't, I may not worry about all that kind of thing. And so maybe Thornhill's really, really feeling it. What we do know, though, it's a contract year for Juan Thornhill. Undefeated. And, and un, it's undefeated, right? So, so if anything, we know, I mean, Thornhill just watched Charverius Ward get his. And he knew he was next in line in the secondary to get paid. If he has a year, even remotely sniffing an all pro level, the dude's going to get paid. Uh, And if he's heading into the season with that motivation, I'm totally fine with it because the chief two things, the chiefs won't have to pay it because they've already made another second round investment Mm -hmm. in a safety. And that sucker will bring back a third round pick if he's paid at that handsome level for a compensatory pick. So it's a win-win for the Chiefs to have a hyper-motivated Juan Thornhill, even if you can't, even if he plays so well that you can't afford to retain him after the season. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think he quite gets Javarius Ward money because cornerback gets paid more the top of those guys, more than safeties typically. But I really like Juan Thornhill. I just want to be cautiously optimistic. We did get a question, uh, Raymond Chandler. Thank you for commenting here. If Thornhill can't come back from an injury, what does that imply for Justin Ross with more serious injuries? And that's that's kind of why I'm I'm pumping the brakes too is – if Juan Thornhill has taken this long to come back from injury, if, it, if he's taken this long to say he he feels fully healthy, that is why I have been cautious with yeah. my Justin Ross takes. It's it's not that I don't like Justin Ross. We're not playing, though, college football, high school football, pickup football. It's the NFL. It's a much higher speed level. Injuries that could take a couple months to come back, uh, back for if you're up playing basketball at the high v uh, Rec Center. A little different than the NFL. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of cautious. I'm with you there. I think it's a good, uh, good point to make. Uh, I do want to talk about Jarek McKinnon brought back to the Kansas City Chiefs in the running back room. They now have, I, I would say, five guys with a legitimate chance of making this roster. Obviously, I don't think all five will make this roster. What do you make of Jarek McKinnon returning to Kansas City? I mean, I love it. The guy had 300 yards, 315 yards from scrimmage in three playoff games. It, by the way, Damian Williams, Jarek McKinnon, like, like it takes nothing to suddenly become a postseason hero out of the backfield for this Chiefs offense, right? Like, like suddenly they make everyone look so great. Uh, which again, why did we sink a first round pick at, at the position? Thank you. I don't even know. Hey, look, McKinnon looked great down the stretch. In fact, you were scratching your head wondering, why didn't we use him before now at that point? He's got the speed to get on the edge. He's a very willing and capable blocker. He can get the job done just like being a straightforward rusher if that's what you need. I mean, I think he averaged like four and a half yards, 4.4 yards of carry last season. He's respectable there, can certainly grab passes. I think he caught, what, 14 of 17 targets in the postseason. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's a well-rounded back. Here's what I don't know. That's a crowded room my friend, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know if you're claustrophobic. I don't like a lot of people hanging around or like someone's got to go, right? Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people, I'll say this, not me, uh, made a lot of noise about Ronald Jones. Ah, oh, the Chiefs signed Ronald Jones. Amazing. It's here, here's the guy who's going to be our lead back and like went running with it without looking at his contract. Ronald Jones signed for one year, 1.5 million. That's, that's barely over the veteran minimum. Right. Mm-hmm. But everyone's expectations of him were suddenly like that he was going to get all this heavy playing time. All that contract means is that Rojo's going to compete. That's it. McKinnon, he's going to compete. Clyde, going to compete. Derek Gore, going to compete. I think everyone here, I think everyone here has been put on notice. No one gets a free pass to this team. You got to compete in this backfield in order to get it. And you got, you got to want it. And I think, I think that's true of Pacheco and everyone else who's even drafted. Um, but I think that's also true of Clyde. And I, I even said that on Twitter a couple days ago. I said, I just don't think anyone, I don't think any single player in the running back room has a free pass to the active roster at this point, Clyde included. Would you agree with that? I think Clyde is more or less guaranteed just because of the rookie contract as well. I, I, I think it would be, and it wouldn't be unheard of, obviously, because Brett Veach did cut bait with, Breland speaks. That was a second round draft pick. So he recognized a mistake and, and, and quit it. But Clyde has not been Breland speaks, right? Clyde had shown glimpses at times before injuries. 
I, I like Clyde. I think he's a very versatile back, even though this room does not have a singular outlier. They don't have a Kareem Hunt. They don't have an Alvin Kamara. They don't have a Christian McCaffrey. They have a well-rounded group. And, and, and what I mean by that is I think Clyde can do a little bit of everything, right? He, he can catch the ball. He's a solid runner. We act like he's a bum, but I think if he was drafted in the fourth or fifth round, we would have a lot different perception of what Clyde has done for Kansas City. Uh, we also sat down with him. Was it this offseason or the, towards the end of last year when he said that he's not had a full offseason because of going yeah. from college to the NFL? He had the gallbladder surgery that a lot of people didn't know about. So this is the first real test to see what he can do, I think, for Kansas City. When it comes to Ronald Jones, I like what he does on first and second down. I think he's going to make the roster as more of your power back, right? He's not a pass catcher. But that's why they brought Jerick McKinnon back. If Clyde gets injured, if they don't think he's the right guy, then you have Ronald Jones on first and second. You got Jerick McKinnon as your third down back. To me, those three guys are pretty much safe. I, call me crazy if you want, but that's just the way I would personally go. So that's what I'm hoping the Chiefs do. When it comes to Isaiah Pachanko, I've talked to a lot of people. A lot of folks think that he's going to be the return man. So really? if, that's, if that's the case, Derek Gore's outside looking in. I don't know if they keep five backs total. That's including Burton, right? Because that's four running backs and a fullback. If that's the case, I think it's Derek Gore on the outside looking in, even though Derek Gore did show glimpses at times that he could be a, a useful contributor on the ground. I think he would get picked up by a team, Derek Gore would, uh, as a backup somewhere. But again, it, it's a solid room, not spectacular, but I think it's a very solid, versatile backfield for Kansas City. You said that they lack the Kareem Hunt, Christian McCaffrey, Kamara, whatever, like the obvious lead back. Mm -hmm. Does that bother you? Do you wish they did have one, or are you comfortable with where they're at now? Very comfortable. I, I think running back is one of the most interchangeable positions in the NFL. If you look at previous Super Bowl winners, if you go down and look at some of the elite teams – it doesn't always come with the elite back, right? It comes to who has the best quarterback, who has some of the best playmakers, typically at wide receiver or AKA Kansas City at tight end with Travis Kelsey. Uh, it comes down to can you get after the quarterback? And the Chiefs, they kind of lack that a little bit, but that's typically what it comes down to. If you look at who is playing running back, that's typically not the biggest indicator. And again, while they don't have that one singular player, I do think as a whole, they do a lot of things differently, and that's good for, for Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. I like, I like the addition of McKinnon, but I don't need more than that. Also, I'll say this. I'm, I feel actually very optimistic and even bullish on Clyde Edwards Elayer this season. Mm -hmm. Like I, 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 re I legitimately think he's going to have a real, a stellar season and trust being healthy is, is going to get him there. If I said, if I said he was going to get more than 1500 yards from scrimmage, do you think I sound bananas or not? Yeah, dude, that's, that's some dull right there. That's dull bananas right there. I, I, I like Clyde. I was going to say a <laughs> thousand, man. I was going to say if he gets like 11, 1200 total including receiving, would you take it? And I would say, yeah, I think it's still going to be a timeshare to an extent. That's just how I feel. I, nothing that Clyde, not saying he can't, you know, take the bull by the horns. I, I just feel like with Andy Reid, we're going to see a timeshare. We're going to see some Ronald Jones. We're going to see some Jarek McKinnon. I think Clyde Abergelaire does have a big year. I think he has the biggest year in the backfield by far. But to me, that probably is more around the 11, 1200 total yards from scrimmage. I mean, that's Daryl Williams territory last year. Sure. Daryl Williams had a good year last year. I mean, he did, but I, I, yeah, I'm in 1500 yards, write it down. 
Juan Thornhill style. That's what I say. Um, hey, uh, so hey, folks, we've come to um, we've come to the part of our episode here. Uh, Sterling and I have been talking about Chiefs, but uh, what we wanted to do at this point. Last Friday, I had the chance to chat with Western Michigan head coach Tim Lester. I think most of us know of one product of Coach Lester's in Sky Moore. The Chiefs took him with their first of two second round picks. And uh, he and I sat down to talk about Sky Moore. However, what you might not realize is that Coach Lester also has an offensive lineman, Mike Caliendo, who's an undrafted free agent who signed with the Chiefs. Um, and he's also on the roster. I got a hold of Coach Lester, said, hey, would you join us on the podcast? Will you join us for an interview segment? He said, sure. So we recorded this last Friday, and he told me all about uh, why he loves Caliendo, why Sky Moore is going to be everything you want him to be for the Chiefs, and even what makes Sky such an incredible prospect who's more pro-ready than maybe you'd realize a kid might be out of Western Michigan. So we were thrilled to be joined by by uh, by Coach Lester. And uh, so, yeah, stay tuned now. We'll end our episode with this. Uh, here's our interview recorded last week with uh, Western Michigan Broncos head coach, Tim Lester. Hey, Matt Connor here with head coach of the Western Michigan Broncos, Tim Lester. How are you today, Coach? I'm good, Matt. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us. I know that... Uh, I. I I know that like a lot of people want to talk about Sky Moore, want to talk about even Mike Caliendo, what the Chiefs are doing. There's a pipeline there now, by the way, <laughs> uh, uh, between the Broncos and the Chiefs. Not the Denver Broncos; that would be a, a rival uh, yeah. <laughs> sort for the Chiefs there. But but it's not lost on me, like you know, as I'm like as I'm looking more into the program there, and, and even you. I know you're a few years into it, but just the whole like. You were inducted into Western Michigan's Hall of Fame before you ever even took over as coach. You're a few years into your post now as head coach there. I mean, it, like, I, I, it makes me curious if it was what you hoped it would be when you take a job at this at your alma mater to like then lead them in the same program. Yeah, I, it's I get I get asked that question a lot because it's unique, right? And um, yeah. it is. But this was the goal, right? Like I always tell recruits, like, how many people have you met that has their dream job? Right. A lot of people have a dream job, but they really don't. They're not working in it, you know. And so when you wake up in the morning and you're there, you're where you want to be. And this is this is when I got into coaching. This is what I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to sit in this chair and, uh, you know, and it's a double edged sword. Right. I mean, the the sure. they're wearing the same uniform I wore, the same building, the same field. Every time I turn a corner, I remember a story of something good or bad that happened in that corner of the end zone. <laughs> you know, you, you, you remember more interceptions than touchdowns. Um, but, you know, and then so there but it means so much, you know, when we win and we won our second bowl game in the history of the school this year. And yeah. and it just it means so much more, you know, on the flip side, the people in the stands that are yelling at you are people, you know. So like, it's not like the faceless crowd as a coach. It's like Bob that was in my wedding. I'm like, shut up, Bob. Like, leave me alone for a second. You know, we're gonna get this figured out. You know, if, if something's not going good in the game, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's the, the highs are higher, the lows are lower, and uh, but it's a it's a it's an honor to be able to coach here, and, and I love it here. Nice, nice. Well, obviously, congrats on the season you had, and then congrats on getting uh, more guys into the NFL. Do you feel – I want to talk about Sky first here. Um, first of all, when he's drafted in the second round, I think right around 50-51, like was that, was that what you expected 
Um, was that not what you expect? Like, how surprised were you over draft weekend when it came to Sky's stock, if you will? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it was exactly what I thought was going to happen. I knew around, I thought he was going to go right around that time, mm -hmm. uh, early second round, especially after watching the way the first round went. I really felt like there were a lot of teams that showed interest in him. And, uh, you know, we had a huge party at my house and a bunch of my friends and families, their kids were over and tons of Chiefs fans, tons of Chiefs fans. Chiefs fans. And uh, and so, like, my son, my littlest guy, he's nine. He has Mahomes' fat head. When you walk mm. in, it looks like he's throwing you a ball. So every time I walk in, I put my hands out, you know. <laughs> and um, so when we got word, and, I, and I, I actually got word about a pick or two before, at least on on TV, we were I was we were ahead, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was I had the decision to make: do I ruin it for all the children, or do I just start screaming uh, oh, now? Yeah. Well, I just started screaming. I was excited. And I started running around and <laughs> high fiving everybody, and and it's funny because he's from Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh still had the next pick on the TV, and then KC had the next pick, and they all thought when I was cheering. I was cheering that he was he got drafted by Pittsburgh and I said no it's Kansas City and then all the kids everybody went nuts and so it was it was an exciting moment I kind of let it all play out and I talked to this guy afterwards and um, he was excited I mean it, it, it he couldn't be at a better place and for for his talents and what he can do I think he could and a guy like Andy Reid that knows how to use yeah. talent better than anybody in the world you know it's and he can do so much so it's going to be fun to see how a guy like Coach Reid does with with a guy like Sky Moore. Mm. I, obviously, I want to ask about his talents, but there was that hiccup there in the draft where the Chiefs were on the clock. You're thinking they got to go wide receiver because they'd already addressed two defensive spots in the first. Then they trade back, and then it goes wide receiver, wide. Like there's three wide receivers taken in that really short stretch. Were, were you nervous within that? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. When it, when he moved back, I thought he was going to Pittsburgh. I mean, Coach, him, he played high school football with Coach Tomlin's son. So they're wow. like this. Like they wow. hang out. He go when he went home for Thanksgiving this year, you know, because we have you know we have Maction, so we played on the Tuesday. Our last game was the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, so our kids got to go home, which is rare in college football. And you know, he was at Tomlin's house most of the weekend with his buddy, you know. So when they were when when they when Kansas City moved back, I really felt like that was probably going to be where he went. And um, and I don't know if that would they have they have a lot of rebuilding they're doing there. You know, it was, still would have been a great spot for him to be the hometown guy. So I was I really thought that's where he was going. But when he when he had the chance to go to Kansas City and and have a, hopefully an opportunity to make an impact on a really good football team early is uh, is a dream come true for for us as a program for him for everybody yeah yeah at what point did you know you know you said in april i'm expecting sky to go in that like early second range mm -hmm. that's among the top 50 players entering yeah. the nfl at what point do you know the stock is going to go that high as you're coaching him week to week you you don't you don't to be honest with you i i didn't i knew he was gonna the moment he got here i knew he was going to be an nfl player I mean, just really? the way he works. I mean, he he's the one guy I tell everybody, he has been a pro since the moment he stepped foot on our campus. Just the way he approaches every day. Like, he's not, he's fun to be around, but he's not goofy, you know, so he doesn't, you know, but he's not too serious. He's always on. He's just on, you know, and so he plays a true freshman. First guy I've ever had play three positions. I put him at the field position because it was the easiest and he was a freshman and he learned that in like three days. <laughs> and I was like, well, shoot, yeah, he's probably going to be a better slot. So he moved to the slot. He learned that in like two days. And I was like, man, I'm like, well, he's the best guy we got right now. And he's he's been here for six days. And uh, we move into the boundary receiver. 
which is the, the main focus of our offense yep. at the time. And so as a true freshman, he played the boundary slot or boundary X. And um, and he'd never really played wide out before. But it's just every day the guy was so dialed in to what he was doing. Not so dialed in that he's not fun to be around. He's just a, every anything you ask him to do, he can do. And, and you make corrections once, mm. right? Like that with him. One time. If he he'll make a mistake, but then you say, Hey, I want you to do it this way. Done. And um, so it was such such a unique guy from the moment he got here. Now he came in and he was uh, you know, teaching them how to run and try to maximize. I mean, they there's so much development in college. That's the best part about my job is watching him get in the weight room and get bigger and stronger and faster. And I knew yeah. he was gonna get faster. I didn't know how fast. I mean, everyone kind of has that limit. I didn't know where how fast he was gonna go. But at the combine, when I saw the clock say four three nine, I pretty much knew. You know, that that because there's no other question marks, right? Yeah. I think people get caught by his height. Uh his arms are the size of a six three guy. His hands yeah. are the biggest at the combine. Like I knew he had all, everyone knew all that stuff. Um, everyone knew they watched the film, watch him run around. He reminds me, having been around this program for a long time, we had a player called Greg Jennings, who played for oh, the Green Bay Packers and Super Bowl yeah. champ. And uh, I, I was a quarterback coach here when he was one of our wideouts. And when he runs routes, he's never out of control, right? Some guys, they're going so fast that when they try to make a certain cut, they're, they're a little bit out of control for a second. He's never not in control of what he's doing. And um, super smooth that way. And that Greg was the same way. He's the first guy since Greg that I've seen have that much body control. But speed was going to be his big question mark. You know, like, what was he going to run? And we know we don't really run guys much here. You know, he ran after his freshman year and and it was it wasn't a great time. I think it was in the four sevens, you know, and then the second year he ran a four five five after his sophomore year and his junior year, he came out. So I was like, he needs to be. I know he's probably going to be in the four fours. If he's in the four fours, I felt pretty solid. He'd go in the first three rounds. And then when I saw the four three nine out there, I, I felt pretty confident that uh, he would go in the, in the second round. Mm. There was that there was that huge win over Northern Illinois, right? It was like four touchdowns and yeah, and two hundred yards. I mean, like, do you think that was the performance that really sort of opened the eyes of okay, this like like what he's going to be able to do at the pro level is is like like kind of erases any remaining questions there. I think so. I think that was the game, you know, and that was, we had a little like half bye week before that. So I actually sat down with him at that point. He was planning on coming back, you know, and uh, you know, with one game left, we had a chance to sit down and talk and that was where his head was at and uh, wanted to lead our young group and be the, be the captain leader that he is. And, and then he had that game and let, and everyone knew, you know, they, they every time, I mean, almost every time they played man on him, we went, we went at him. No yeah. matter who was covering him, and he he had a huge game. He had had a ton of huge games. We hadn't had a ton of teams that would play man against him, and they did. And they learned what happens when you do that, you know. Um, and so, you know, and really, even in the bowl game, you know, it's our second win in the history of our our, our program, and we played Nevada, and they were not they were not going to let him have a big day. I mean, they decided we ran for 300 and I don't even know the number, but it was a lot. And we, and I was just waiting for them to single him and they would not do it. They were, they had watched the Northern Illinois game and we got on the sideline and we're like, I was like, Sky, eventually we're running for like 10 yards a clip right now. Like that safety's got to come down in the box. Like eventually they're going to stop doing it. They never did. So, I mean, he, he didn't have a ton of catches that game, but he was the reason that we controlled that entire game because they were bound and determined to keep two guys on top of him all day, which gave our, us a really good number in the box. And we just kept running it. And yeah. uh, so when you start, it was really the Toledo game this year was the first time we started seeing different coverages because of Scott. 
Okay. Up to that point, no one had really done anything different from their film. And I remember the first third down where they it looked like they were going to get in this one coverage that they always get in. And at the snap, they had one safety ran over to double sky and the other one played in the middle. And that changed that from that point on. He had earned the respect of defensive coordinators everywhere that they couldn't just play him normally, you know. And so, uh, so yeah, it's it's as the year went on, it was pretty evident that he was ready, you know, because you want we all want our guys to go to the NFL, but you want them to be successful in the NFL, right? You don't want them to leave until they can be a second round draft pick, and uh, and it worked out for him. I couldn't be happier for him. Was that frustrating for him to go to like have those shifting coverages? I, I guess I'm wondering, you know, we talk about like his breakout game and how that goes, but what happens when there's like that stifling performance when he can't do what he wants to do yeah. and his response to that? Yeah. He, he never changes, man. Like never, he never gets too high, never too low. You know, okay. uh, you know, we moved him around and we started motioning him a lot more and like, like they're going to do it at the next level and started getting yeah. him on linebackers. So we still got him as catches. It just wasn't, they weren't chunk plays because there'd always be people over the top of him. So he'd catch it. And they, they just started limiting him to, you know, eight to 15 yard catches instead of 50, 40, 30, 20, all touchdowns, you know? So yeah, he never, he never changes. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like a, it's like a duck on a pond. It's like smooth underneath. He's thinking and working real hard, but he's just smooth all the time. Mm. And uh, that's what makes him, I tell this story. This is my favorite Sky Moore story. If, if you're, yeah, please. if you're a coach and you're involved in coaching and players, and you get to know what makes people most people tick, I should say most people. Uh, you know, when we brought him in here, he was one of my scholarships as a head coach. I have a couple that are mine, and I don't. They're not any position based. It's I take guys that I like, and I I had an extra one, and I he was a quarterback in high school, so there's no wide receiver film. He looks like he could be DB. He played great as a DB in high school. Mm-hmm. So I brought him in. I gave him number 24 because I thought he was going to be a DB. <laughs> we were going to start him at corner. And uh, something happened. I, I, in June or July, we lost a receiver who transferred or something. So now all of a sudden we had a need on the offensive side of the ball. So I moved him over and he was played, started as a true freshman. At the end of the year, I went to him and I know he's number three in high school. And I said, hey, you know, you're one of our best players. And like, I know I put you in 24 because that's a DB number in my mind, you know. And uh, I said, you want to switch, you know, and he looked at me and he, he just said, coach, I can't use the words he used, uh, but he's like, coach, I don't give a, I don't care. He's like, coach, I, I don't let, he said, let everyone else worry about what number they are. I'm 24. I'm like, I'm going to make 24 great coach. And then after his second year, he was all conference. I went to him again because three was open. I said, Hey, do you want three? I know you were three. And he, and he looked at me again, like, coach, I already told you. He's like, it doesn't like, I don't care. I want to play football. The yeah. number doesn't matter to me. And that's so different than so many kids, oh, you know? Yeah. And then he sent me a picture like the morning after he got drafted, he flew out there and sent me a picture holding the Jersey with 24 on it. And, and he's sticking with it, man. It's, it's an impressive, just to, if you want to know mentally where he's at, you know, yeah. he is uh, those, those type of things. He just cares about the ball, the football and learning. And I don't know if he's got the whole offense done yet, but he'll have it down soon enough. I promise you, man. Coach, I want to give you a chance to talk about Mike Caliendo as well. The Chiefs signed him as an undrafted or rookie free agent, um, adding him to that offensive line mix for competition this summer. Um, like, like you know, that uh, that's obviously going to be a guy who's flying under the radar compared to Sky and really a draft class of ten rookies. Yeah, overall. 
Um, but you mentioned Caliendo is one of your favorites, you know, when we were talking earlier, like what, like, what do you like about Caliendo and what do you like about him landing with, with Kansas city as well? Well, I think his versatility is unique. You know, he, he played center and guard for us for his four years playing here. And, um, and he was a finalist for the Campbell Trophy, which goes to the single smartest human being that plays college football in the in the place. <laughs> it's the Heisman Trophy academically, right? Wow. I mean, and he was in the final ten. We got the we flew out to Vegas for the big event, you know, and so and he's going to be a doctor, you know, like he's he's literally pre med. Every time we'd be driving to the uh, to the team hotel, he'd smell like formaldehyde because he just came out of the lab. <laughs> You know, and that, that smell, you know, that smell, right? You can't wash it off. I'd be like, Mikey, because he always sat next to me. I'm like, you reek of formaldehyde. You're killing me. And he's like, coach, it was amazing. We were, we had the cadaver and all this stuff, you know, and, and he's our center and he made all the calls and he was our leader. You know, he was more of our vocal leader, you know, and, uh, and he's from Wisconsin. He's 300 he's about six, three, six, four, 310 pounds, five pounds and athletic and tough. You know, so to have, I know how important it is in the NFL to have guys, they, they, they don't hold a lot of alignment. You know, I yeah. got, I got 20 on my team. <laughs> I got 15 on scholarship and five walk-ons, you know, they, wow. they have like seven or eight, you know, so yeah. you need to have a guy who's smart and, and tough and can be the backup center and play guard if you need them and, and do anything you want. And uh, for, for what the NFL needs, the versatility that they need in, in student athletes and how smart you have to be at that level to do all of it, you know, he checks a lot of boxes, you know, mm. as far as having, you know, sometimes you're going to get to six, seven and eight at some point during the season and yeah. you're going to need to count on those guys. And uh, I think uh, he could be a perfect fit depending on what they need with six, seven and eight up front, you know. Yeah. Were you surprised that, that he wasn't drafted? No, I mean, his his biggest thing is he wasn't super tall. You know what I mean? Like that mo- most a lot of interior guys don't get drafted. You know, they draft the tackles, you know. Yep. But if you're inside, you're going to have to be super smart and versatile. You know, you better be able to play multiple spots. And uh, so I thought he was going to be late. He was either going to be a late or free agent. You know, and at yeah. some point that really doesn't matter. You know, whether yeah. you're six, seven or free agent, it didn't matter to me. I knew he was going to he was going to be someone was going to get a guy that's going to go in there. We've had a couple more. Robert Spillane is a guy we had a couple years ago that had that same mentality who was a free agent. And I remember telling the scout, same thing I told about Mike. I said, that dude's going to make a team. You mark my words. <laughs> Some coach is going to fall in love with this guy. And and he started out at Tennessee, and now he's he's a stud for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker Yeah, because uh, he knows everything, and he'll do anything. You just ask him, tell him what to do, and he'll do it. And he'll do it right the first time. And that's – that's a sign for a guy who might not get drafted, but's going to make a team and make a career out of playing in the NFL. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited for his opportunity. Uh, and I think from what I talked to both of them, they say everything's going really well right now. And they both learned it quickly, which doesn't surprise me. Um, so that hopefully should give them a chance in these OTAs and in camp, which is important that you, you look good right away. You know, he's the best in the world. So you better be ready. And, uh, and they both will be, so I'm excited. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, Coach, I'll, I'll let you get out, too. Uh, I know you're heading out for the weekend to enjoy the weather and the, and, yes. uh, the Michigan lakes in the summer. All the best yeah. to you. Thanks again for joining us. I appreciate you. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Thanks, Coach.